Welcome to Take a Stool. I'm Stephen Manderson, but you might know me better as Professor Green. What you might not know about me is that I've suffered with gut health issues since the day I was born, having my first operation at just six weeks old. Surgery later on in life for a hiatus hernia in 2017 left my stomach partially paralysed. The doctor's idea was to give me more surgery, but I wasn't really up for that having just gone through two weeks of complications and nearly copping it. Rabbit hole after rabbit hole and ended up in some really weird corners of the internet, I gathered a better understanding of what was going on inside, which meant I was able to improve my gut health through a combination of healthy diet, exercise, high quality supplements and becoming really boring. The last bit's a joke, sort of. Talking of high quality supplements, I founded my gut health brand, The Gulp, after realising there were millions and millions of people suffering with the same issues and worse that I was, who were looking for a simple and effective solution, which didn't yet exist, but does now. Our aim is to get people comfortable talking about their gut health, their all-round health, and to break taboos around gut issues. So I've asked some of my mates to come and take an Agolp gut health test. Yep, I've literally got my celeb pals to send me their sh- send off their poo in the post so they can better understand what's going on inside themselves. We also get to pick apart their life story by way of their toilet habits and the food they've eaten throughout their life. You may know former Special Forces Sergeant Jason Fox as a hard man who presents SAS Who Dares Wins on television, but that's only the man you get on TV. In this conversation, I have a chance to get a little deeper and find out what life decisions made him into the person that he is today. We talk about his relationship with food, what life was like growing up in Luton, and he shares some of the most unbelievable stories from his time spent in the Special Forces. So, pull up a chair and take a stool. Jason? You were gone for quite a while, how was that? <laughs> it's always a little bit unnerving when everyone knows you're going for a shit. <laughs> Everyone's waiting for you. How did you find the process? It was easy enough, yeah. Once yeah. I'd got my head around the instructions. Nothing yeah. too dramatic. Well, I don't, don't imagine. I don't, I don't think so, unless, you know. I don't know. But it, yeah, I think I've done it right. Wicked. Are you worried at all about what your results might be like? Um, no, I'm interested. Yeah? I think... I mean... I mean, I've been taking, I've been using a gulp now for a couple of months, so. So you should be in good stead. Should be, yeah. Although you know, the last, you know, having you know, having done my back in and I've been on some painkillers and anti-inflammatories, I'll be interested to know whether that has any inf- any effect on. Yeah, I what's think, going on in my guts? I think pharmaceutical drugs tend to have quite a lot of effect yeah. on the health of your gut, and that's not something that they necessarily tell you when they prescribe you things. Yeah, no. Exactly. If it's all right with you, I'd like to start from the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, where you were born and how you were born. Do you know if you were born uh, via a uh, canal birth or a C-section? I was born canal. I was born in a. I was actually born in Plymouth, but I uh, I was two months premature. Right. And uh, my lungs had collapsed. So I think I, according. I mean, I can't remember. Obviously. Yeah. But according to my old dear, my mum, she said that I died twice. So I, I suppose that must have been reasonably traumatic. I don't know. Yeah. But um, traumatic so I, for, I was for you as a child, even though you can't remember. But yeah, even though I can't your, remember, I for think your mum as well, they must have some. Yeah, massively. For the, I've spoken to mum about it, mum and dad about it a few times, and they were like, yeah, it was. They don't really talk to you about it, but you can tell the way that they speak to me that it must have been pretty horrendous. But I, yeah, so I was. 
I was in the first open incubator, apparently. It's in 1976, so I've got a picture of me somewhere with tubes hanging out. So I had a, I had a ch- double double um, pneumothorax, so I had a ch- double chest strain and tubes and stuff going into me for a, for a couple of months. You grew into quite a big, strong lad. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> it didn't seem to hinder that. <laughs> no. So where were you born, sorry? Plymouth. Plymouth. What was that like? What was set the picture for us? I don't, so my dad was in the military. That's why we were down there. Uh, I, that's why we were born there. And then he left quite soon after I was born, once I'd you know, come home. We left and we moved, I think we moved up to Basingstoke, which is where my brother was born. Mm-hmm. And then... We moved because my dad was, you know, following work, as it were. We then ended up moving up to uh, North Yorkshire, and we lived up there for. I, I went to primary school up there, yeah. and then eventually moved again when I was sort of. I can't remember now, but I think it was around six, seven, and then we moved to Luton, and then that's where I grew up. Really, what was your childhood like? Were you quite sheltered? I wouldn't. No, not sheltered. Um, Mine was a bit, mine was, when I think back to my childhood, it was a bit, it was a bit, it wasn't like I had a bad childhood, but it wasn't great. I wasn't sheltered. My old man was quite outwardly going, so we used to get out and about. He he taught us an awful lot about um, sort of like military type stuff, like map reading and survival and all that sort of good stuff. So that was quite interesting. Um, but I grew up in Luton, you know, I went to a state school, Luton's a, it's, it's a reasonably rough area. Um, and I saw, so I was sort of exposed to a bit, but I wasn't, you know, my mum and dad didn't sort of keep tabs on me. So I, we, you know, we could have, we did get up to no good, but, um, <laughs> but I also tried to keep a lid on it somehow conscious, subconsciously as a young lad, I knew, I definitely knew what right and wrong was. And I knew that I could easily be easily led. And mm. I, I was aware of that. And so, yeah, I, I dabbled in naughtiness and also tried to stop myself from being naughty. But it sounds like, uh, with everything that you had learned from your dad, you spent a lot of time in the great outdoors yeah he encouraged us to play sport as well so there was always another distraction outside Mm -hmm. you know instead of just being left to rampage around town you know we not like we were forced into it but because he played sport it encouraged us to do the same but you were definitely a kid who got dirt under your fingernails yeah yeah that's what i'm trying to establish because obviously i think there's a there's an, a kind of epidemic to be incredibly clean. Some people want everything incredibly sterile without mm. realising that it's actually good to be exposed to certain bacteria, especially at a young age yeah. when your gut biome's forming. Yeah, we were, were 100%. We, you probably we, weren't thinking about your gut biome no, at this weren't. age. But we, I, I'm a big believer in getting, getting dirty, as in being exposed to things that build up a natural immune system. And I think that's what happened with me. And I'm... I, I don't generally get sick or ill, um, and yeah, you know, as, as as a youngster, we would be out clambering over rocks, rock climbing, building dens, you know, all that sort of stuff. Going up onto sort of like we used to go. Grandparents used to live down in the southwest, so we used to go down there, and we'd my dad would take us up on Dartmoor, and we'd be cutting about doing all that sort of stuff. 
meanwhile I was on Norfolk Estate in Hackney drinking white line and smoking weed <laughs> in, a sw- in a swing park. There was a bit of that every now and again going on in Luton, <laughs> yeah. When we come back off holiday, we'd, yeah, there'd be that sort of stuff going on. I grew up in a, a three-bedroom council flat as well, um, but I never used to get taken to Cornwall or Devon because my nan didn't drive, but there used to be a bus that come through every summer yeah. and we'd all pay for our tickets and we'd go to like Clacton on sea. And that was the extent of my travel for the most part in my childhood. There was nothing, uh, nothing that glamorous. Yeah, I felt a bit. Yeah, I was lucky then, really. Weirdly though, because a lot of the kids at my school, they, some of them would go to like, even though we, I grew up in Luton, some of them would go like they would go on trips to Spain. I don't, I, honestly, I'd never, I'd never been. Do you know what? The first time I flew in a plane, I jumped out of it. What? Yeah, I'd never been abroad as a kid. And so never flown anywhere. <laughs> it, was, it was, yeah. That, mate, that's crazy. The first time yeah. you got on a plane, you jumped yeah. out of it. It was horrendous. I was proper shit in my pants. <laughs> 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 but, um, yeah, we were, yeah, we got to go to some nice places in the UK. Although my old man used to have to borrow my nan and granddad's car. I used to he'd go and get it. And Did he have a license? He had a license, yeah, Sweet. he just didn't have a car. <laughs> probably no insurance in them days. No, nah, probably not. It was like a custard yellow Vauxhall Cavalier. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any idea if you were um, breastfed when you were a kid? Mate, I haven't got a Scooby. You haven't got a Scooby? I feel like I should text my mum. Um, probably be quite a random text to get out of the blue. It will. Mum, was I breastfed? Check this out, I'm going to do it. I'm knock out a text to me, old dear. There we go. Hey, Mum, was I breastfed? The end. Did you have any major illnesses as a child beyond um, the difficulties that you had during your birth? No, other than, I mean, not major, no. But, no. you know, like chicken pox when that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Chicken pox and mumps, I definitely had those. I had chicken that. pox, I think I've still got a few scars from yeah. the it, just itching and scratching yeah, it was everywhere. We all got, the whole family got it all at the same time. It was <laughs> oh, just God. carnage, yeah. What was that? You, what, what was the stuff you used to have to put on your skin? I just remember being chamomile slathered lotion. in. Yeah, chamomile lotion. Yeah. I think it is, yeah. yeah. I just remember being slathered in it and still itching and scratching my way through it. It was horrendous. My, my old man got it worse than us. He got actual shingles because he was an adult. We were like, I can't remember, we were like eight or nine, but he got... He got rinsed with it down his throat and all sorts. Jesus. Yeah. I think, so does that mean that you had chicken pox as a kid? And when you, I think if you get it as an adult, the second time is when you get shingles. Oh, is it? I'm not. You must have done then, yeah. No. A, a professor <laughs> I just absolutely remember looking no at me. I remember, I remember being in pain and looking at my old man and it would make me feel better. <laughs> I took strength <laughs> from his pain. Tell us a bit about your household. What was your household like? Small house, bit cluttered at times, sometimes not. Um... It was never really dirty. I wouldn't have said dirty. It was clean, you know. She had three boys to go and do the hoovering and we used to get beasted on that. But Where are you in age as far as your brothers? Uh, I'm 18 months older than my next one down. I'm the oldest. You're the eldest. And then I've got another brother who's nine years younger. So do you think your parents were stricter on you than they were on your two younger brothers? I think they were stricter on me and, the, me and Matt, who's the middle. And then, you know, nine years later, they have Jamie and... Yeah, they've relaxed. Mate, they, they've yeah, done they, it twice, they were old by this. Twice. Yeah, and he was getting away with blue murder, and he he knew it. <laughs> he still knows it as well. I grew up on a council estate as well, free yeah. bedroom as well. <laughs> Although there were six of us in it when I was born, and um, people started to leave quite quickly. My mum was the first. Um, I wasn't breastfed, right. which apparently plays a part in the forming of your gut biome and can 
be indicative of your gut health going forward. So what did you have then, like that SMA? SMA milk. I, yeah. I've got really distinct memories of my nan taking me to the doctors um, and handing over vouchers in exchange for SMA milk, um, imp- well, SMA powder. <laughs> my mum's replied. God. Fucking, <laughs> I don't know. Hello, how are you? Yes, you were up until... Yes, you were up until you had teeth. Then she goes into detail. When you're in special care, I hired a machine. Felt like a cow. There we go. <laughs> I think that's called expressing. Expressing, yeah. Expressing. There we go. And not wanting to be bitten by teeth. Yeah, there we go. I'm, hopefully I got teeth quite early. <laughs> until I had teeth. I'm like, freaking, how long did it take to get teeth? I can't remember. Have you ever lived in a foreign country? Um... Well, I've been to lots of foreign countries yeah. and spent a considerable amount of time in them. Um, why do you ask? Why do I ask? I guess just because of the different bacteria you can pick up from different places. My next question was, have you ever suffered with dysentery? Um, I have suffered. I don't know whether it was dysentery. It wasn't like diagnosed, but I remember, that I remember having a horrendous, horrendous bug in Afghan and I remember we we were living in this small sort of house there was like a team of us mm-hmm. and there was the toilet the bathrooms well the toilets and there was a shower thing and you had to walk through them to get into like what we'd call an ops room which was where we did meetings and had information coming in just to run it back a bit so people understand yeah. uh, while you're talking about ops and being in Afghan could you give us a bit of a background on yeah so I did 20 years in the military 10 years in the marines and then 10 years in the special forces so this was during my time in the special forces right and so the the toilets were were near the 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 hub of where all the work was being done by the rest of the lads that were out there and i can remember i felt really and the bedrooms are just for a bit further down so you lived and breathed in this you know this small building yeah and um it was quite, you know, it's an official place, I suppose, but it's also where you live. And I remember fe- feeling a bit shit in my bedroom, and I was like, "Crikey, I need to go to the toilet." And then I was literally on the toilet, like shitting through the eye of a needle and throwing up. <laughs> oh, I was I, in, incapacitated. I couldn't. Did you have a sink near enough so as you could do? No, no, it was just on the, the floor. Just go, oh. No, was, and I was like, I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything. And I was like calling to one of the lads. And he's like, it has to be quite, yeah. And I was like, mate, I can't get off the toilet, but I feel, I can't even lift my head up. Jesus, it must have been pretty bad to ask someone to come and help you in that situation. I can't imagine how they had to tidy up. Is that that because you were superior? Uh, that, <laughs> or was, just that was you just because I was I couldn't I couldn't I was I was incapacitated. They I, they cleaned me up, took me back to my room, and then I had two drips in me, and they just monitored me for about it lasted like forty eight hours. Yeah. But I always I my guts are I think my health's great as far as I'm aware, but I do have issues with my gut, like it, it's I'm I'm, incons- I'm I'm regular, but I'm inconsistent in in what it feels like yeah what do you think the contributing factors are to that i don't know whether that was a because it was you must have been in some pretty extreme situations so i just wonder if stress played a part in that well that was that was during stressful times but then you know we'd been out there and we were conducting operations and you you know we're destroying equipment and kit and i remember sort of taking there was going to be a massive explosion it's difficult to explain without going into like boring detail but there was a, we basically went out there and we were doing um 
counter narcotic stuff against sort of like the heroin labs. So we'd come across heroin labs and we'd sort of like rig it up to blow them up, you know, to destroy mm -hmm. them, to deny them the, uh, the capability going forward. And I remember we rigged one up and you basically light a fuse. There's like loads and loads of explosives. And then we sort of like, right, we'll just take cover over, over that little mound there. Took cover, so we've got like huge explosion. We'll 30, just take cover, cover yeah, yeah. <laughs> under that then, little mound. It was like a thirty-second explosion. Yeah. Little mound. The mound's fine. Thirty the mound's seconds fine. to get there. And we got. We sort of like as we dived over, sort of like giggling. Dived over, we <laughs> giggling. Sort of like laid, laid down, and then <laughs> as we laid down, I suddenly like that. Fucking hell! We've we've literally just taken cover in the the bathroom of these guy, the the heroin geek, and it was oh, honestly everywhere. We were laid in it. So there's like there's things like that that we've been laying in shit. Yeah, where I've been exposed to like Multiple unhealthy people's gut. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know whether it was all so that. That gut test was a piece of piss for you then. Yeah, yeah, it was all right. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. <laughs> you, you was, really I was just worried about, worried about it. No, no, no. I was just worried about getting a bit of it wrong. But hopefully, it's all good. What was your health like as a kid? Were you ever on antibiotics? No, not that I ever remember. I'm sure I was on something as a baby you know, after I was born yeah. because of, you know, I'd have, I presume they, they still dish out pain relief to kids. I'm not sure. Yeah. And obviously because of the threat of infection, I'd have probably been on an IV of some description that had antibiotics in it. Right. Cause I think, I mean, we, we're better educated now, but I used to be on antibiotics on and off all the time. So chronic tonsillitis, it was almost every other month and my doctor would just oh, yeah. dish out amoxicillin. Um, without ever telling us that we should be taking probiotics because amoxicillin, for all its good uh, good uses, mm. um, it kills all of the good bacteria as well as the bad bacteria. What age were you when you joined the military? 16. Wow, young. Mm. Do you think that was because of seeing your father be part of the forces? No, it was a mix. It was, a, it was I mean, he'd left, but I can't remember him being in the military. He's obviously, there's pictures, you know, and there's, there's, there's he is, he didn't speak about it a lot, but he did tell us stories and, you know, explained it was a great time for him and it was what he needed. And so there was there was that as a as a factor that would have swayed me. But I think a lot of the, my decision came because, I, I, you know, growing up as a kid, I wanted to be lots of different things. I didn't necessarily want to be a soldier. But then when I realised that I was shit at school, wasn't academic, I liked sport and I liked getting out and about. And then... Again, it comes back to that somehow subconsciously as a 16-year-old, I could see that I was going to go down the wrong route. Mm -hmm. Like all the all my mates from school, you know, I keep in touch with a couple actually. Still, they, they haven't left Luton and, you know, they've, they've got themselves into trouble. Some of them, you know, some lads are dead and all this sort of thing. And it's like, you know, I'm glad that I had the subconscious presence to think to myself, right, I need to do something else. I need to get out of this place yeah and so uh, you know i joined the military it's quite a bold decision it is bold i think a lot of some of it was once i'd sort of started talking about it my old man was like nah you'll never do it you ain't got the you ain't got the staying power and i'm like fuck you do you like, think that was a bit of reverse psychology i'm i hope so <laughs> yeah <laughs> i hope it was i think i mean you know i hope hopefully he's proud you know i had a reasonably long career in that and you know i enjoyed it and Forty years, wasn't it? Twenty. Twenty. Sorry. Twenty. Yeah. Twenty. Yeah. yeah. Forty. I was like, yeah, that <laughs> no. does actually make sense for the age you are. Sorry. Yeah. And that was split up. How? Sorry. So yeah, ten. Joined at sixteen. Did ten years in the Marines, cutting around, playing at it really, training, and then 
What sort of places did you travel to with the Marines? Um, Mediterranean, Far East, you know, jungles. Spent a lot of time in the jungle. Um, the States. And then, um, yeah, I don't like being told what to do, to be fair. So God knows that. That sounds like the worst job in the world for somebody who doesn't like to be told what to do. No, but I know. It's it's true. I I have this, my image of the military is it's incredibly disciplined. It it is, but but I hated the military, but I loved being a soldier. So I loved getting dirty and and rolling around and and I love the art of soldiering. I don't like, you know, there's there's obviously the violent byproduct of soldiering is that is something that happens. But the actual, the trade of being a soldier, there's, it's not a glamorous, like people think it's a glamorous struggle. Some people do and it's not, it's, it's hard work. And there's a lot of, there's a big sense of achievement when you do certain things. Mm -hmm. And so I really, I really, really enjoyed that. And I wanted to keep testing and challenging myself and, you know, the fortunate thing when you get into the special forces is there's the discipline is there's less of it. There's all you're told you you've be you get given enough rope to hang yourself with. You get given so much responsibility. They're like, ah, right, go out and do that. Deal with that. Go and do this. This is what your task is. Don't care how you do it. Just get it done. You're like, ah, wow, this is awesome. So all of a sudden you have free reign. You have your free reign. Yeah, just to get things done. Yeah, as long as you can, you know, as long as you meet hitting your your KPIs or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> <laughs> then every, everyone's happy, yeah. What was your diet like as a as a? I'm really interested in what your diet was like as a soldier. But taking it back a bit, what was your diet like as a child? It was it was all right. It was it wasn't as good as I think it. It definitely wasn't as good as it is now. You know, you, you used to, what, you know, lunch would be a tin of ravioli. Remember Heinz ravioli? I remember it yeah. well. Yeah. So it'd be stuff like that. Bird's eye potato waffles, <laughs> this sort of crap. Mate, there's still a place in my heart for waffles, <laughs> yeah, fi- yeah. Fish, frozen fish fingers, beans yeah. on toast. So there was a lot of that. You know, every now and again we'd go and have a big family dinner at my nan's or something, which would be some slightly more substantial, you know, Sunday roast. Or I was going to say, know. would that be a Sunday roast? That's my favourite meal. Yeah, it is awesome. Uh, that would be my last meal. But the good thing about a roast is it is quite varied. It was the one thing as a kid that I always used to look forward to because it was a break from all of the frozen food. My nan didn't have much money. She spent a lot of time working as well. So yeah. it was uh, partly that she didn't have the time to be cooking fresh food, but also she worked a lot for very little and therefore my diet was somewhat dictated by our income. Yeah, we, we ours was the same, but every now and again there would be, you know, a decent slap-up meal. And the same, it was more varied as opposed to just like a couple of things on a plate. What was your diet like then when you joined the army? They don't, they they force calories into you because you need them. But back then it was, it wasn't that healthy. So you would be, they would be, you know, when I lived on the base, you'd have chefs that prepare meals at set meal times. And they'd be expected to knock out X amount of meals at a cost of two, three pound per meal. And so, you know, you, I remember you used to joke about some of the food you get. You, you, you used to have these things called tank tracks that were like processed pork burgers that were flat and long and weird. So, yeah, <laughs> flat that, and long and weird. It doesn't yeah. sound like a burger. No, it wasn't. But it was, I don't know how else to describe it. It was, yeah. Like some it, sort of long sausage pattern. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there was a lot of stuff like that. Sausage, Every now and again. sausage just scallop without the breadcrumbs. Exactly. Yeah. It was, yeah. Bread I can crumbless. kind of see it. Yeah. But um, yeah, so the food wasn't great. 
Um, and then obviously, if you're in the field, you're living off rations, which are, uh, yeah, they're pretty diabolical. They're like boiling the bag. So it's wet, wet rations. Put it in a hot, you know, put it into a sto- on, on into a pan on a stove, boil it up, heat it up inside, and then you eat it. But you could, I mean, oh, God knows what was in that. You, you, you'd have a breakfast one, which would consist of baked beans and weird little sausages. And then there would be like a lunch. That takes me back to my childhood. Yeah, lunch lunch could vary because you could have like, uh, you might have beef stew and dumplings or something in it, you know. It's been in the, it's been vacuum packed in that bag for years. You Sounds know. like space food. It is space food. Yeah, exactly that. You, Has it you, got a long shelf life? Yeah, yeah. You could, they have them stored in, you know, warehouses for years. And you know, break out in time of war. Bloody hell! But you have you you have like biscuit. You have like these biscuits, They call them biscuits brown, and they're just like really. And you get like some sort of chicken paste that you could dip it in with. It's a bit of a treat. And, <laughs> That's um, what I was going to ask you. Is there anything that you look forward to? Yeah, yeah. The biscuits brown and cho- and and chicken paste. Yeah, but it was like proper. It was manky. But you, when you're in the field, you're like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> like little. It's like a like a, it was like a starter. And uh, but the biscuit brown is it blocks you up, so right. you end up not needing to go to the toilet as much, which is good sort of, but it can't be doing you good as far as circumstances. Good as far as circumstances because you know you're supposed to be operating, you know, and, and not shitting. You don't want to suddenly be caught caught out. Yeah, not the time you want to be caught. No, 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 not at all. So obviously, you know, people used to enjoy. Eating biscuits brown because it stopped you going for a shit. <laughs> <laughs> What's your diet like nowadays? Have you ever done uh, any sort of extreme diets or no? No, I refuse to do anything faddish. Mm-hmm. Um, my guts can be a bit unpredictable sometimes. I'm, I'm quite regular, but they can be. You know, I can eat something rich and it'll have a, a, almost an immediate impact on me. Um, but What's I do it like the night after a booze like we had last night. Yeah, it was, it was all right. <laughs> it's there ready to be sent off. Yeah. I don't want to have a look. Yeah, I mean, let, you know, I don't have a look. No, no. It'd be interesting to know how that does come back, having just been on, yeah, been on the piss. But um, no, my diet now is good. It's like very, very balanced. Um, I try to make sure it's healthy. That I try not to eat any sort of processed or frozen stuff. I'm in, a, you know, I'm in a fortunate position to be able to live like that and. Mm-hmm. Every now and again, I, um, you know, go out and eat, but it will be somewhere decent, I hope. Yeah. And you know, I've, I try my. I, Do I you still, ever find yourself in a chicken shop at three o'clock? Yeah, in the morning? there's the, there's a really famous chicken shop near me called. Sh- it's closed down at the moment, which it's been on TV and everything. You sound traumatized. Oh yeah, mate, I am a little bit because it's a, you know when you've had a few beers, it's a good place to go to, but. Um, you know, I do find myself in a KFC or McDonald's, and and I, I find myself craving it sometimes. Yeah, I don't like. I hardly eat it, but every now and again, I'm like, I could really do with a, a cheese, but a quarter pound of a cheese. Is it normally on a hangover? Yeah, and what's, I'll your, get, what's your McDonald's order? Quarter pound of a cheese and a McChicken sandwich. You're not someone who gets like a McDonald's with a diet coke, are you? No, I always find that well no, weird. No, no. If I, um, 20 I might, nuggets, I might, a Big Mac, large not, fries, normally and a chocolate a shake, diet coke. It no, just no, doesn't make not. sense. Like what? <laughs> it's like they're cancelling out all the shit. That they're <laughs> it's making. not going to undo all the shit you're putting into but yourself. The, the thing is, you know, when you have that food, like you find yourself craving it. You're like, ah, it's, and like I said, it's very, very um, few and far between. But when I'm 
craving it, you're like, ah, this is going to taste awesome. And you eat it, you're like, it does taste awesome. And then I feel horrendous immediately, immediately afterwards. afterwards. Yeah. I'm like, ah, why have I just done that? It's like, I feel, I can feel it, the fat seeping into my veins <laughs> and arteries. It's fucking horrible. I hope you're finding the conversation about life by way of gut health as fascinating as I am. One thing that I found out during my own gut health journey is that it's not easy to navigate the world of pills, potions, and work out what's snake oil and what isn't. That's why I founded a Gulp, carefully curated liquid liposomal supplements to help make good gut health easy, efficient, accessible, and convenient. All disease begins in the gut, so said Hippocrates two and a half thousand years ago, and we make him right. It makes sense then that health begins there too, in the gut. If you'd like to find out more about your gut and try the test used in today's episode yourself, head over to agulp.com and use the code TAKEASTALL to get yourself a 20% discount on the Agulp gut test and a seven pack of Agulp for gut absolutely free. Free? Are you mad? Did your diet improve um, when you went into the special forces where you were afforded better food then? Not really. I'll tell you when you, I'll tell you when you used to eat the best was when we were away. When we, so when we'd go and do like six, nine-month tours in Afghanistan, you, you, you're living on a base um, with lots of other, you know, thousands of other troops from all over the world. And there's lots of, they call them defects, which is like dining facility, something or other. And there's lots of them dotted around and they're run by different countries and the Americans always had the best defects. Really? Yeah, what they, was on the menu? You used to, Thursdays were surf and turf and it was proper steak and lobster tails and... Bloody hell. Yeah, I know. You didn't expect that. No. And, you and you know, there was a massive... That's ma- the sort of thing I'd go out and pay for. Yeah, exactly. And you'd have massive, like, um, salad bars that you could just go and pick from. And it was... I don't know how fresh it was, because obviously it's been, you know, transported out there. But it was an enjoyable experience. You could, you could also eat really unhealthily in those places, because they had, like, Ben and Jerry's and, you know, all the, all the sort of nice things that people think about any fried chicken there is fried chicken there is well. a lot of fried food in there as well if you wanted it because obviously the americans chips love. are my poison yeah we, we, there was plenty of those yeah <laughs> chips are my poison a bad chip can completely ruin my day um, <laughs> <laughs> what's your um what would you say your health and fitness was like growing up uh, health and fitness was yeah. good. yeah i think that's what counted any of the poor food maybe my dad was big into sport. We were encouraged to play sport. Um, did you know? He used to take his fitness training. Even you know, he'd go out for. He'd keep himself, you know, in check, and we'd come along for, with him. So that was all right. And then you know, when I decided I was going to join the military, I did actually knuckle down because obviously he's there saying, oh, "I don't think I've got it." And I used to go and I trained really hard, even as a sixteen-year-old, to get myself up to the required standard. So it's always and that's always been a constant. I think. I mean, you know, I've got an injured back at the moment. I haven't trained for over a week, and it is it's destroying me. Destroying you? How does it affect your mental health? Yeah, it's like I can feel myself getting sluggish and slow, and it affects me mentally. I I, I struggle. I, my only I've got myself into a place now where you know I can't change that. I can't change the fact that I've injured my back. I could have done something before it to stop me from injuring it, but Prevention I can't. Is yeah, than exactly. Cure. I can't change it. So I just keep, you know, I keep reminding myself, you know, if I feel myself getting a bit pissed off, I'm like, look, it is what it is. It ain't going to last forever. 
at some point you're going to get back into the swing of things and everything will be cool. So it's just, you know, it's just how you deal with not getting into a weird headspace. Yeah, I always find that if I if I injure myself or I fall out of the habit of exercising that things start to get quite bad quite quickly. Yeah. Like uh, me not exercising normally leads to me not eating as well. Yeah. Using delivery a little bit too often, not making the effort in the kitchen. Yeah. I begin, I just begin to become lazier. I do, yeah. And are you, do you know what? Having not not exercising, and then, um, like doing things like last night, going on the piss. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, 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 my fucking skin feels shit. I can feel. I'm like, oh, I want, right. I need to get back into exercising. I need to stop boozing, and I need to be a little bit healthy again because I can feel feel it sort of creeping in. Do you reward yourself with the booze? Do you feel like if you've had a hard week or? Um, you've done something and you want to celebrate is that how you'd celebrate i do enjoy i like the social side of getting out and having a drink i don't i actually i quite enjoy i mean obviously it's different at the moment but i do enjoy just sometimes going into a pub on my own and having a pint it's quite nice yeah i like being in i like being in undisturbed yeah surrounded by people but knowing that you have to talk to if you don't want to and you i'm just like you know I, i can sit there and do nothing i can sit there and you know Knock out a bit of correspondence. <laughs> Answer some emails. Yeah, exactly. And it's like a cool environment to do it, or it's a nice environment. I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of history behind people going to a pub to do that. Well, we used to build villages around them, public exactly, houses. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, probably, that's probably one of the things I miss, you know, having a bimble around town and yeah. oh, I might have a pint in there. But I don't. Bimble around town or pub crawl? No, nah, just bimble. <laughs> no, no, no. It wouldn't be a pub crawl. <laughs> but, um, no, yeah, going for a drink, it's like, um, it's like every now and again, you know, meeting up with people that you haven't seen for a bit, or you know, something's happened, you know, someone someone's birthday, and yeah, we do sort of like to attach a drink to everything. Yeah, we I've do. I've got yeah. this theory, this theory that there is almost a drink attached to everything. Yeah, I think that's is that is that is that British? Is that I a think British it, thing? I think it is British. There's a there's a big. There's, there's a lot of history essentially yeah. British about if you're going to have a catch up with a mate it's a, it's a beer if you're going to watch the football you have a beer while you do it yeah. um, if someone's feeling a bit down it's all oh, should we go to the pub probably the worst thing for it yeah, <laughs> yeah. feel great like we did last night to and then wake yeah. up feeling twice as bad in the morning to be fair over the last few days because obviously we've had this lockdown looming and I've got a bad back I'm like ah, well, should we go for a beer <laughs> so I've probably done it I've, <laughs> I've rewarded myself for having a bad back by going for a beer and it's done me no favours probably not it causes inflammation yeah, which yeah. is probably what you're dealing <laughs> with yeah, at I'm the trying. moment yeah exactly are you on any medication at the moment I'm on Voltarol at the moment Right, which is an... Anti-inflammatory. Right, so that's probably not good for your gut health. No, 100% it's not. But good for your back pain? It's good for my back pain because it's an anti-inflammatory and it's trying to keep that inflammation down whilst downing a pint. (laughs) (laughs) No, No, but yeah, no, it's there for the inflammation, but, you know, it's actually getting better. I can feel it easing up as the days go on. Good. Um, How much stress do you think you've encountered in your life? I can imagine joining the military must have put you in some quite stressful situations yeah I think um, I've spoken about this before and like if you if you, it's difficult to explain but if you draw a line and each line represents something that's stressful and then the time period that it goes on for in in your life so you've got your life timeline mm-hmm. at 16 I joined the military and so there was stress already attached to that because I'm ex- 
you know you start 30 weeks of training which is quite hard and you're putting yourself under pressure to perform and to finish so you can then join an a, 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 a you know an elite military unit and then it, I don't think the stress stops. So that military career is one line. And you've got your dad's voice in the back My of your dad's head voice going, is I don't there. think that's you made an, for it. That's more, that's probably the most stressful thing. But then as you like do more lines in different places, I look at where the where there were the most lines and for how long. So that it was like a, you know, there's that line and it's like really, really dense, densely populated with those lines. Yeah. And you look at what they are. I think, you know, my stressful period is from 2001 to 2012 i'd say which you know i started my career in the special forces the world changed considerably because of 9-11 we were getting thrown into all sorts of situations and you know it was yeah we were engaged in like proper war fighting but then at the same time ultimately i'm i'm trained to deal with that so i'm not really too phased by it, by it. but then i got married then I had a kid who was really ill. What were your coping mechanisms for stress? How did you decompress when you, you talk about those lines um, and those periods of extreme stress when you came out the other side of them? Were those periods then stress-free? Were you able to process the stress and decompress? No. Nah. We, it's weird because, you know, in, we go, you know, go back to having the autonomy in the special forces at the time, and I think it's, and I know it's different now, but at the time conventional forces would come back from being away and they'd go through a decompression phase it was i'm not saying it was ideal but they had two weeks in cyprus having barbecues drinking probably fighting with each other having a few lectures on how to deal with you know how to sort of reintegrate and remember that you've got a family and you know they've they've not had you around blah 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 we never we never had that you'd come back from so i don't think i ever decompressed so there was no there was no help at that time as far as reintegrating so do you think no, that no. you became somewhat institutionalized yeah yeah definitely became uninstitutionalized but it was confusing because i mean i i can remember being away on it on a night and being we got blown up no one no weirdly no one got injured but we got blown up so it's like you know probably concussion and stuff like that that goes with that and then 15 hours later i'm walking down pool high street shopping and I remember having a, a bit of an out-of-body experience because I was a bit like, this is, what is this all about? Why am I here? Why, like, I was doing some meaningful stuff just 15 hours ago and now I'm walking down, pissing with rain, walking down Paul High Street and I've just had a Barney with my missus. I'm like, what's that all about? So there was no decompression and I don't think there was any help in trying to work out what decompression was or how you are able to re reintegrate into you know nothing stops at home it just keeps going and you think it should stop but it doesn't you come back and you're like ah, why hasn't why hasn't life stopped why haven't you lot just stopped while i've been away it's like and, Cause like, it and then because it's a poor i guess it's a pause in in <clears throat> what we i guess what is real life yeah it's you. poor it's a pause for you but then then the, the other people there are getting frustrated they're like what do you mean stopped i've been dealing with this this is like and you're like ah, Fuck is that man. hard coming back to to uh, life and a family and friends and relationships that have moved on yeah i think so definitely i think you know if i you know you come back you come back after a while and you um you know because of the way i was way of we were people people doing that job you come back and each time you come back after a reasonably long period of time, things have stuff. You're like that shit stuff's changed. People are changing. Have you changed? Yeah, I probably did. I didn't think I had. 
but I've been told I I had changed a lot over that period, you know, that 10 years. How do you think that stress impacted or did it noticeably impact your physical health? Hmm. I trained a lot, you know, it's funny because those, you go away on those tours, you, you, you don't drink, there's no drink and you eat reasonably well, you train all the time and then you go out and do all the stuff you do, you're in like properly good, good condition and on, on the last tour I did, we trained a lot Um but the operate the tempo of operations was was off the scale, and we were, we were getting into a lot of trouble. We we in a six month period, we'd lost twenty five percent of our manpower. So so we're only like twenty five guys. So we've lost a, a, a considerable lost to, to, to death or life changing injury, and you're like that. And I remember the stress on that tour. I felt I felt weaker, even though we were training. I wasn't putting on muscle mass. I wasn't getting as strong as I used to and it was it was due due to lack of sleep because we weren't sleeping really we were just constantly going out the door and the the threat of of getting badly hurt was like it was a really you can I remember we used to like look around the room and be like right who's who's getting it tonight and and you'd have like we were like professional special forces soldiers and you'd get briefs on certain jobs or you'd be briefing on a job and some sometimes you're like that this, I don't know, I've got a really bad feeling about this job because it just looks gnarly and and sometimes in the in the deep you know and I'm not taking anything away from professional soldiers but sometimes in the back of your head you're like that I, I you know I could do with this job being cancelled tonight you know for whatever reason one of the helicopters has broke down or something yeah <laughs> I mean I guess you don't get to call in sick like most people no you can and you, and you don't have a very sedentary job you're not stuck behind a desk no no well you actually you know late as you go on later in my career out there, you'd I'd be stuck behind a desk planning. Then at like four in the afternoon, we'd go into a, a briefing phase where we brief what we're going to be doing. And then you go out the door and then you come back, you have like three hours sleep at six in the morning till nine. Then you're up and you're doing the same thing again. It's So how was your sleep throughout that whole period? Terrible. I sleep three to four hours a day. For what sort of time period? Just from like f- between five and nine. But like, I mean, is it like across the course of your life? How long were those periods where you were only getting three or four hours kip? So six months or nine month tours did six of them. So three years. Three years of getting three to four hours kip? Yeah. I can't imagine that. Like my nightmare, I get sleep anxiety. If I know I've got a, a very specific time in which yeah. I can get a little bit of kip if I'm working late and then working early, Yeah. I'll, I, I will already be telling myself i'm not going to get to sleep i i do the same already now i didn't back then i just you just in the you know the the adrenaline keeps you going through it and uh, you know weirdly the british military used to pride it used to be an unwritten rule that you'd pride yourself on your ability to operate with no sleep you know a lot of the command courses you go on like margaret thatcher yeah you just yeah no but it it was an old school mentality and now it's the, the, the the mentality behind it has changed completely and I'm. I look back on that period, and I'm like, how stupid was that? Expecting. I mean, don't get me wrong. I genuinely think I performed very well, but how much better could I have performed? Because essentially, if you go for a period of like, I think it's 24 hours without sleep, you are. You're basically the equivalent of being four times over the drink drive limit, and yet we're getting sent out 
on operations to conduct operations with guns and weapons and we're making like huge decisions on no sleep it's fucking ludicrous that's crazy yeah I mean, that was a, an analogy i was going to draw from it's like you think you're all right but it's the same as someone who's had two pints they yeah feel they fine, think they're all right don't they every you know everyone else can see that they're not mm. but people generally think they're fine if they're you know you know i haven't yeah. had much sleep i'm fine i can still i'm still capable of making decisions but many decisions that people have to make don't come with the, the impact of i guess you getting something wrong yeah i mean I mean, you have to, you do have to prepare for not, you know, war fighting is pretty weird in its makeup and the dynamic of it because ultimately you've got someone that doesn't want you to sleep. You know, the enemy don't, you know, they're going to keep hounding you. So, the, you know, all the courses you do want to train up for that, they do put you through a lot of sleep deprivation because you need to know whether you can operate. It's a form of torture. It is a form of torture, but you, you've got to be able to know that you can do it. You've got to know that you've got it in the tank. But to go out there and put people under pressure as as we did, as in this is the this is the work cycle, this is the work routine, it didn't I don't necessarily think it needed to be like that. We could have took took our foot off the gas a little bit just to make sure you've got an even better performing group of people. So how is life now? Do you feel adjusted now? Yeah. How long has it been since you were in the I Special left. Forces? I left in I left on the fifth of April two thousand and twelve. So, the day you remember clearly. I remember it well, yeah, because I got, I got medically discharged for PTSD and depression, and um, I was told, right, you know, I didn't engage well with the therapy that they were delivering. The management wasn't great. It was in its you know its early days. It wasn't early days in the grand scheme of things, but it was you know, in comparison to where they are now, and I didn't really. You didn't engage with it and they you know the the professionals that were in power said look the one thing that will fix you is to leave the military because i i just all it was was a change of mood i'd lost my mojo for that job and it pissed me off and i was like i fucking love this job but why am i having to dig deep to motivate myself and the people i'm responsible for so i just explored that but it turned out you know you're like okay you've got ptsd and depression so i was told ultimately you need to take that uniform off and leave and that'll fix you and then I remember waking up on the 6th of April feeling even worse because I wasn't part of something anymore and I was like hang on a minute you not fucking told me I was going to feel better for this and actually I feel worse how long was that journey between how you felt that day when you woke up and a day when you woke up and felt better hmm a few years I think properly I had to, it didn't happen straight away it wasn't like oh yeah then I felt better I think there was a few things that needed to be done and I needed to, to change a few things. But ultimately, I think sort of, I'd say middle of 2016, having having done some really good things that were all, it was like my decompression. I had to go to the deepest, darkest place that I could without doing anything stupid as in, you know, stood on top of a cliff. And then, you know, a few years later, I'd done the full journey and come back up out of the top and fix myself. And now in a role, you're still somewhat associated with the old job. Yeah, I am, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, but that's... I think I'm, it's, in a, it's in a slightly more healthy... Capacity. Capacity, and yeah. And I there is, a, you know... I suppose I'm using bits and pieces that I'd learnt throughout my old career and, and, and I'm using them to work and, 
you know get benefit from it in a more positive way um which is a good thing you know I've, I, you know I couldn't you know ultimately like the jobs that you'd expect people like me to do when they leave are, are you know security type jobs I can't do them you know because I've got underlying mental health issues they won't you know big big organizations that have got the more appealing work won't employ me so I was I was proper fucked for a little bit because I didn't know what I was going to do it's crazy doing a job that you know would have people hold you in such high regard and then to come out and be unemployable mm. yeah it was pretty pretty dark Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's good. Let's brighten it up. Let's get back to talking about shit. <laughs> so, do you pay much attention to your uh, your your bowel habits? Are you frequent? I am frequent, yeah. I'm pretty good in the morning. I mean, at the moment, obviously, with me, we keep going on about my fucking your back. Your Volterol. But my Volterol, yeah. At the moment, it is, I can definitely see there's a... A pattern. Yeah, there's a, yeah. It's not as regular or as easy as I, I like it. <laughs> Apparently, you should push as you exhale. Really? Yep. I've been doing some research. Who said that? Your knees should be higher than your hips. Um, I've been reading into how to... Knees should be higher shit. than your hips? Yeah. Well, it's never something I was taught at school. No, to... one, no one taught me how to shit. Well, I need it... to find a child's toilet then, like a potty. <laughs> then my hip knees will be higher well, than my hips. in certain cultures, they do squat, don't they? They do, holes. yeah, exactly. And apparently, it is much better for movements. Yeah, there's much less... Um, uh, instances of people with hemorrhoids or piles because there's less straining but yeah apparently knees higher than your hips and uh pushing on the exhale something about how the sphincter responds to your breathing patterns is that what they teach at the old um antenatal this classes? is just google i've not been to an antenatal <laughs> class but this is <laughs> it does sound like giving birth doesn't it yeah it feels like it sometimes so all right okay maybe i'll just get a hole in the floor what are you thinking then? How how do you how do you think you're going to perform in this gut test? You you eat a relatively diverse diet. You I'd exercise. I'd hope. I'd like to hope that I've got reasonably decent gut health. I think there might be a little blip with the, you know, the drugs and the and the night out last night. The prescription drugs. The prescription drugs. Yeah, not the. Not, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll get you out. I'll that stitch one. myself up here. <laughs> not that there's anything to be stitched up about, but yeah. Um, I think it should be okay. <laughs> it's been great talking to you, Foxy. I look forward to catching up with you and giving you your results. Nice one, thanks, yeah. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, man. Since we recorded the episode, Foxy has been busy away filming. So we sent him his a gulp gut test results, which were... Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Jason's gut health score was low, coming in at 3 out of 10. Foxy actually scored ideal on most of the lifestyle elements, which suggests that something recently could have impacted his gut score, i.e. the antibiotics and medication that he had taken, which we know have a negative effect on gut flora, or possibly the night out that he had had with me the night before. So there you have it. Even super fit people and TV's most loved stars suffer from not so great gut health occasionally. It's terribly common. A recent study saw 89% of Brits suffer with some sort of gut issue throughout the year. It's always important to remember that a poor gut health score is something that can be improved on with smart eating, smart exercising, smart sleeping and smart supplementing. If you want to join the conversation and take a stool, head to www.agulp.com and order one of our gut tests.